This season of the Curiosity Club podcast is sponsored by Simprove. Simprove is committed to furthering the understanding of the function and role of the gut microbiome by using a scientific approach to developing the most effective bacteria-based product. Put simply, Simprove helps to support your gut microbiome and balance your gut bacteria. What I love about it is its water-based formulation that contains four unique strains of live-activated bacteria. Because of this unique formulation, Simprove will not trigger digestion, meaning the bacteria will arrive to your gut unharmed and in full strength, survive the harsh acidic environment that is your stomach, and thrive in your gut to colonise successfully. Simprove's 12-week programme will give you the best chance of nourishing your gut bacteria and supporting your gut microbiome. The more I learn about gut health, the more important I realise it is. And I'm currently in my 12-week programme and I love knowing that I am supporting and topping up the good bacteria that lives within me. If you want to join me on your own programme, Simprove have been kind enough to give all you lovely curious folk a special 15% discount for a limited time using the code CuriosityClub15. Welcome to the Curiosity Club podcast, a safe place for the real life lessons that we didn't get taught in school. Each season, I have conversations with inspiring experts who share their wisdom around our seven peaks of curiosity. Together, we learn how to break the patterns, habits, and mindsets that limit our potential, hinder our happiness, and impact our well being. I'm your host, life and business coach Katri Barrett, and these are the life lessons for modern humans. Welcome back. This is season two, episode six, and I cannot quite believe that we are halfway through the season already. Time really is a flying, but we have got a lot more fantastic conversations with some wonderful guests coming up. And before I introduce today's to you, just a little reminder about our Simprove giveaway. You've got just two more weeks to enter to be in a chance with winning your very own 12 Weeks Improved program to support your gut health and microbiome. All you have to do is if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes to leave a rating and a review telling us what you like about the podcast so that other people can help find it. And then you need to take a screenshot and share it over on Instagram tagging at the Curiosity Club underscore, or you can email it to us at hello at captrybarrett.com. All of this information is in the show notes, so either hit pause or do it while you're listening, write that review now, take a screenshot, tag us or send it to us, and then you're going to be automatically entered into the random prize draw that will be taking place in two weeks to win a 12-week Simproof program. Wishing you all the best of luck, and I'll be in touch with the winner at the time on the 1st of September. In today's episode, I spoke with Joe Westwood, a life coach who specializes in helping women to escape the soul-destroying cycle of codependency, to reclaim their lives with confidence and live lovingly fierce. Joe is an author, a speaker and creator of the online codependency recovery course, also called Lovingly Fierce. I've wanted to have Joe on as a guest for quite some time since discovering her work. Codependency was a kind of phrase that I think I've always known, but I definitely didn't fully understand it and what it meant for dysfunctional relationships and quite how prevalent it was. After with my co- my conversation with Joe today, I've realised how much of an issue it has been for me in the past, and it really has given me some new insights and tools to ensure that I'm not going to fall into these old patterns. 
In our conversation, Jo shares her story as a recovering codependent. The fact that codependency is an addiction, and there is even a Codependence Anonymous group with the 12-step program, which is something I learned in this episode. I did not know that before. We also explore the sort of signposts that you can recognize to help know whether you're in a codependent relationship with someone in your life. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It could be a parent or a boss. And then Joe also shares some really practical steps so that you can start helping yourself right away along with the recovery process. Another really interesting topic that we explore is manipulative kindness and how codependents tend to use this as a way to get the validation that they need and the damage that this can cause. Joe unpacks all of this in great detail along with a whole lot more incredibly valuable insights. This episode really hit home for me and I think it's going to do the same for a lot of you too. As always, I would love to hear from you if it does. Do come and let me know over on Instagram in a private message and let's chat there. I'll speak to you soon. Enjoy. Just a quick note, most of the interviews were recorded during lockdown over Zoom, which isn't the best for audio. So please do excuse the sound quality. We were doing the best with what we had. Well, welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a real pleasure. I'm very excited to talk to you in more detail after very much diving into all of your work. So can you start by telling everyone else a little bit more about what you do and the kind of story of where you got to where you are today? Yeah, so um, I am a life coach for women and I call myself the codependency coach. So I specialise in helping women to recover from codependency. And I have, I suppose, to use like really sort of coachy in air quotes language I have like a signature system that I've created called lovingly fierce which to me is the antidote to codependency um and I came to this line of work because I am a I'm a recovering codependent um never quite sure how to refer to myself I don't know if I'm codependent or recovering but somewhere in that midst anyway so I walk this journey alongside my clients as well. Um, and I figured that out after my marriage ended. So I've been codependent all my life. It, I'm codependent in all areas of life, but it showed up most for me in romantic relationships. I always used to say that men were my kryptonite. Um, it was always the, the place that I had most struggle, most difficulty, most confusion. And I didn't realise that it was be- because I was codependent until I had gotten married and entered into a very unhealthy dynamic with my husband. And that's really what made me seriously search for what was wrong um, and try to do some discovery around why I kept seeming to repeat the same pattern in romantic relationships throughout my life. And yeah, that's how I discovered that I was codependent. Um, I'd been a coach before that and unwittingly had really been coaching people around codependency and had already sort of come up with this concept of lovingly fierce but it was just something that was folded into uh, my larger work and then as that started to clarify for me that's how it became the kind of main part of my work and my main focus and that is that is what I do now and I love it. And I think and I, I, I was so drawn to when I discovered your work. I hadn't 
I don't know if I, I don't know if I can go as far as say I'm not. I obviously know the term codependent, but I'd never thought of it in a way. And certainly, and this is what I find so fascinating. I'm so excited to talk to you about it, and because it's made me look back on certainly my past relationships when I was much younger, especially when I was in the grips of, of anxiety and depression and how that manifested. And you know, learning about your work and hearing you, how you talk and share about things, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was that was me. But can you define a little bit more as, as sort of people who maybe as don't like me like I used to like not really didn't know, know what it is what actually does codependency mean and how does it show up in different areas of, of life yeah so um <clears throat> codependency as I understand it and define it is um an addiction to validation from outside of ourselves and also addiction to dysfunctional dysfunctional relationships um I think the easiest way to help people relate to it is to share some common examples of how it shows up because it's a bit slippery codependency, partly because a lot of codependent behaviours are also just the ways that mainly women have been socialised to be in a patriarchal society. Um, so what codependency looks like in real terms in a person's life is Overgiving to the point of exhaustion and resentment, um, the inability to identify our own emotions, um, inability to make a, a decision without a feedback or reaction or a guide from someone else. So, not even though we maybe know within ourselves what we would like to happen, we can't voice that or express it. It feels too scary to bring it out unless we've heard what the other person. And that can be a romantic partner, but it could also be a parent, a friend, a work colleague, until we've heard their opinion or what they want to do, because it's far scarier to share our wants and needs than it is to put those aside and just go along with someone else. That feels very safe for codependent people. Um, and another key identifier for codependent codependency is um, uh, manipulating with kindness. So that is when codependent people can't just um, express their needs clearly and directly. So they can't just ask for what they want or need. So instead, we'll overgive in the hope that we can sort of provoke or extract the kindness and the support that we want from that person because we've just given them so much. So it's kind of this hope that if we just do all these things for this person that at some point they'll start to reciprocate quite often that doesn't happen and then we get around to that first point that I shared we're feeling resentful and exhausted and burned out but always actually feeling like the only way that we can get that love and support and kindness that we so desire is by giving more and more and more and it comes really from a fundamental lack of self-worth mm -hmm. <laughs> hearing you sort of describe this it sounds like certainly myself if I sort of rewind in the past and I know that so many people might be listening to this and thinking I've never kind of realized that what I was doing there was manipulating with kindness as you as you just said and actually the impact that 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 can have and maybe haven't recognized this within themselves and that's why I think this is such a fascinating Topic. Do you find that that people so often um, with the work that you do kind of have these huge revelations about how they've been behaving and they've been thinking of it as something entirely different? Yeah, I think so. Um, 
I think there's there is definitely a misunderstanding of the term codependency and what it means. I think part of that comes from the fact, as I said, that a lot of codependent behaviours, so being very um, giving, um, being very self-sacrificing, being nice, being polite, going with the flow, making everyone else's lives easier, being intuitive, anticipating people's needs, they're traits that are praised, particularly in women. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're, they're kind of praised in everyone, but particularly in women, and we're really socialised that way. And so it can be really hard to pick those out for yourself and say, no, actually, that's dysfunctional. That isn't how mutual, like mutually fulfilling relationships are meant to work. That isn't how a healthy dynamic works. Um, And I think, I think because I've been through it myself and I've been through it and I've helped people through it simultaneously and I've lived it but I've also analyzed it I think I've been able to kind of boil down the concepts in a way that really does hit home for people usually when I say manipulating with kindness that's the one that just really does people in but there's I get all kinds of dms about all kinds of different things where people are like oh my gosh that is me I've just had this moment of realization and it all comes from experience Mm -hmm. um there are these, they're all patterns that I have repeated, they're all behaviors that I have been, that I've done, that I've executed, and then gone back and analyzed them with my kind of coach eyes and and also through my recovery lens. So I'm a member of um, Codependence Anonymous, uh, which is a 12 step fellowship for people who are codependent, uh, derived originally from Alcoholics Anonymous. So similar kind of vibe, similar sort of work. So with those tools, then I've been able to kind of, I think, bring a new level of understanding to this concept of codependency and hopefully make it kind of clearer for people. Mm. I think think that's exactly what you do. And I think this is a really important conversation to have. And the fact that I I had no idea that there was a codependence anonymous and this is, and a little bit later, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in in the terms of, of addiction, because I think it's a really, really important conversation what what um how else do you see it kind of impacting and maybe from your personal experience what is the impact that that unaddressed and kind of left to continue that codependency can have on an individual's mental well-being and health so um codependency can can come with can cause can sit alongside a whole gamut of other mental health issues um I mentioned earlier this kind of lack of self-worth um that can that's very commonly related with depression constantly overthinking what other people might want or need or feeling like you need to know those things uh, because if you don't you aren't loved and therefore you aren't safe to me just screams anxiety um codependent people tend to quite often suffer from physical mental and emotional exhaustion um it can i i think codependency codependency doesn't discriminate it can be it can kind of be in any sort of person's life so it can be in your life if you're a really confident person an extrovert can be 
part of your life if you're a really quiet person and a bit of a wallflower and happy to like not be the center of attention and likewise it can be part of your life if you're someone who is really super successful and has achieved all of your goals there are loads of really successful people um who to me exhibit classic signs of codependency and likewise codependency can also really hold you back um quite often codependent people see a lot of career setbacks whether that's because um they're not confident and they're not confident enough to just ask for what they want and what they deserve or perhaps because they've continually allowed you know what they want in life and their goals to be pushed aside for the needs of another person um so it shows up in a myriad of ways and there are lots of sort of co-addictions that can go go along with codependency as well um it's such an all-consuming thing that common co-addictions, uh, you know, around alcohol, drugs, overeating, overspending, just to try and numb that feeling because it can be so intense for people if it's not addressed. Mm-hmm. So, so interesting. With that, with this time, we record while we're recording this. It's it's sort of in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. We're kind of in the no man's land just post lockdown how do you think this this period of enforced isolation for people who are dependent on on others for their their you know um happiness um how do you think that this is this experience has been affected and has affected them um i mean again like a myriad of different ways um some people unfortunately have been forced back into a position where they are having to live with family who they have dysfunctional relationships from. Usually codependency is born from your early relationships. So there might be, um, you know, just dysfunctional dynamics there or addiction in your family line, which you've now been forced into that position to be back with those people. And that obviously heightens your codependent um, behaviours and uh, feelings. Um some people really struggling with loneliness and isolation, reaching out to old relationships or exes or situations that just aren't healthy for them out of desperation because they're not getting that validation fix that they so want and need. Um, people who are really kind of spiraling because they can't be with their partner because they don't live together. And so they can't be together right now. And they are kind of, um, like doom fantasizing in their minds around what's going to happen whilst they're away from their partner or um maybe their partner is actually not struggling with it as much as they are and they're interpreting that in some sort of way like you know codependents really need to be needed that is like um sort of like energy gold for codependent people so if you're with a more independent person and you're not in lockdown with them right now and actually they're having a great time that's really difficult for people and also then relationships breaking down as well just the pressure of this whole situation um either intensifying dysfunctional dynamics or people just deciding like i want out um so yeah people are really struggling with with those pieces too Mm, yeah I think in so many ways it is it's such an unusual time but and I think it really has kind of put a magnifying glass on 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 things that were already there or maybe brought things to the surface that people had either been avoiding or pushing down and 
Absolutely. We're, we're going to get to, we're, we're, we're talking a lot about the kind of, <laughs> the we're going to get to Joe's amazing sort of tips and everything shortly. But first, I really want to talk to you a little bit more about the kind of, whether whether you think that this, you've talked about it a bit, like the codependency kind of scale and how it can it can range and, and at the extreme end it's um, addiction. So can you talk a little bit more about whether it's it sounds like it's not something that we either have or we don't have. That there is this kind of spectrum, like like with mental health. Can you talk a little yeah. bit more about that? And what that looks like in the kind of different stages? Yeah. So I think there are definitely people who aren't codependent and hopefully after you've listened to this or maybe read a bit more of my work you'll be able to identify those people in your life um so sometimes people ask me what is the opposite of codependence is it independence and the it isn't independence because we're human beings we're social creatures we're meant to live in packs we're meant to socialize that's how we thrive um so the opposite of codependence is interdependence so it's i want you but i don't need you I like having you around, life's cool, life's better with you around, we have this mutual exchange of energy, you give me something, I give you something, it feels good, we both come out of it feeling lifted up, and like it was a positive experience, and yet if I don't see you for another three days, I'm cool, because I've got my own reserves. Codependence is a need for someone, it's like, I need you, even if I don't want you. Um, so there are people who aren't codependent, it doesn't really affect them, but even those people, because of the way our society is set up, not as bad as it is elsewhere in the world, here in the UK, um, but we certainly still have some sort of misogynistic, patriarchal, very old-fashioned norms that say, you know, as a woman, you need to act in certain ways and people pleasing is one of them so even people who don't really fall on the codependency scale may have found themselves doing a bit of people pleasing and a bit of sort of smiling and being polite uh, just to smooth the waters in the past rather than saying what they really thought then there's the codependency scale and yeah it absolutely is a sliding scale like it it affects your it affects people's lives in in very different ways for people who are at the further end of the scale it's really all consuming it will affect every part of your life um though at that extreme end there are likely other co-addictions it can become life-threatening then for the majority of the people they're somewhere at the low to middle end of the scale and that's that kind of looks like obsessively thinking about a romantic partner or needing a romantic partner it might look like being in a very dysfunctional and sort of enmeshed relationship with a boss at work where they're just calling you like 24 7 and you're always on call and you really feel unable to put a boundary in place um it might be that you feel this sort of guilt-laden sense of duty to a parent who expects you to almost be their caretaker when really, if anything, the dynamic should be the other way around. And then when you become adults, you hopefully individuate and have this interdependent healthy relationship because neither of you are children anymore. Um, so yeah, there's some kind of common ways that it can show up for people on, on a more like everyday level, if you like. Mm. And I think so many people 
probably are listening to this thinking like having not thought of it in these terms and certainly to the extreme that you said there that the codependency can be can be life-threatening in in what ways have you kind of have you seen that in your clients or experiences that if people can help kind of understand the importance of 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 recognizing the symptoms within themselves to prevent that um so i mean if if any of what i've said has resonated with you the thing to do is just to get into some form of codependency recovery as quickly as possible even if it's you feel like you're the low end of the scale and you feel like that's a bit too much it is kind of a snowball thing the more you allow yourself to be in dysfunctional dynamics with people the more your sense of self-worth will be eroded the more opportunity you have for the codependency and the codependent behaviors to grow within you and also the more attractive you become to dysfunctional uh, people and dysfunctional relationships again not limited to romantic relationships um you know people who want to take advantage of us emotionally psychologically financially physically they can sense that open vulnerable kind of need to give energy in a codependent person so you will find those people drawn to you in your life and as I say then it can kind of become a snowball and so if you realize this about yourself, I would just advise it, get into, get into whatever level of recovery feels comfortable and doable for you right now, whether it's reading a book, going to a coder meeting, getting a coach, getting a counselor, just like following some really good Instagram accounts, just start somewhere and, and see what sticks. If you find it really sticks and you're like, oh, this is more than I thought, or this is something I really need to work on, cool. Um, like go with it and do the work you, you won't regret it um, the work of recovering from codependency could benefit I think the majority of people mm, absolutely and, and I completely agree I've heard you sort of talk about how, the need to sort of look at addiction differently and I, I completely agree because so many people disregard it as, as other they see it as you know put it in a box as addiction is only to do with drugs alcohol you know those obvious sort of things and therefore they think you know if that's not if them included it's nothing to do with me I'm, you know they don't understand it and I think it's so important to, to realize that it comes shows in so many ways and well how do you think that we we could do with kind of redefining addiction in, in itself and um yeah and how that would help so <clears throat> the way that I would define addiction <clears throat> is that you're not free to have something unless you're free not to have it. So it's kind of like you can occasionally enjoy a cigarette if, and you're not addicted to it if you don't wake up and the first thing you need is a cigarette. Some people genuinely, every so often, just want to enjoy a cigarette or a cigar or whatever it might be. Um, and like... I have no judgment on what anybody wants to enjoy, what anybody wants to partake in. For myself, I drink, but I don't need drink. I enjoy a beer. I enjoy a rum and coke. But if I went to someone's house and they didn't have a beer or any rum, I'd be fine. Or if I needed to stay sober for the evening because I was the only one that could drive us home, it wouldn't be a problem for me. I'd still enjoy my night. And so I know I'm safe to have alcohol. And so I think it's that thing 
that for me is the definition of addiction is you can't if you if you don't feel free to let you are in some way addicted to it and I think we all actually have way more addictions in our life than we realize you know phones are um kind of numbing out with like tv and media is another common one and it's kind of like can you cope without it what if it was taken away from you for a week would you survive and if you wouldn't there might be some level of addiction there Mm -hmm. and I think then when we start to think about of obsessive thoughts that we have about maybe partners or anxieties that we have around work or you know what people think about us at work or um what our family think about us or are we pleasing our parents again when we're adults um then we start to realize that actually this is an addiction it's an addiction to outside validation and it's and it's this need to be liked at any cost which kind of gets us into trouble with getting into dysfunctional relationships yeah I think it's so important to remove that stigma around the word addiction and acknowledge that to varying degrees in some ways we all have something whether it's yeah checking Instagram um certain types of food online dating whatever it is I think if we're really honest with ourselves we all do that and getting getting kind of um showing up for ourselves in the way of kind of honestly asking am I do I need need this can I stop can I can I promise myself I'm not gonna look at my phone in the morning until you know lunchtime and trying to do that and if not looking at ways of of what we need to do in order to help that and that kind of leads us on to now I think really important we've kind of really nicely dived into how how people kind of recognize it within themselves and the importance of doing so but what are then what is the process that kind of helped you and how do you help your clients what are the kind of practical things that people can start doing if they they're listening to this thinking oh my gosh this this is me yeah so um in a practical in a practical way what i recommend to people is um so codependent people overgive and overschedule. Tend to find with codependent people, their calendar is stuffed to the brim with obligations. Even if it's small stuff, even now we'll find when we're not in a kind of time when we can socialize a lot. Um, even if it's things like, you know, getting some shopping for the neighbors and um, making sure that you call like every single member of your family every day and, you know, helping your sister out with the kids. And it's like, and you fill your day with all these different obligations. Um, and we also tend to find that we like fill our life with stuff in the same way as well. So a quite a common addiction for codependent people is spending, um, buying things, trying to fill that kind of void when we can't get the validation with stuff and with things and also like weirdly having no boundaries around other people bringing a lot of stuff into our lives as so we just feel like um, I just feel like codependent people just have these overstuffed lives so one of the first very practical tips that I suggest is cutting back on loads of stuff so give yourself a task to clear something out whether it is your wardrobe or calling your sister and letting her know that her round the world trip ended two years ago. So she needs to come and pick her shit up out of the garage. Um, 
<laughs> or whether it is like reorganizing your kitchen and getting rid of like the old sauce packets that have been there for the last five years. It's like a detox. It's like clear some stuff out and then clear some space on your calendar. So what I recommend to people is cut down the amount of stuff in your calendar by 50%. Really like hardcore shop it out. Anything that is unnecessary. So anything that isn't eating, sleeping, bathing, and whatever necessary work you have to do, i.e. the work, the hours that you are contracted to do, um, cut it out. 50%, just get it gone. And then allow yourself to sit with that space for a while. And if you want to put anything back into those spaces, make it stuff for you. So I recommend like one small self-care thing a day. So again, let's not overwhelm ourselves and restuff our calendars with self-development and self-care because codependency will get you through that avenue too. <laughs> codependency is not against turning your self-development work against you. Um, and then, so it's something small, something achievable, doable, a five-minute meditation, um, like 10 minutes of yoga in the morning, a quick walk outside before you have your breakfast and go to work, whatever it might be. And then one larger self-care item per week. So whether that's like a little home spa session or whether that's like a big yomp in the countryside for like three hours, no phone, you just turn your phone off. You've got it because I'm always afraid, guys, that you're going to get lost and then you won't have your phone. So don't not take it, but just turn it off. <laughs> Sorry. that's my personal paranoia I can never not take my phone um <laughs> no, I, you saying they got lost for three days and it's all your fault Jo. I know I know it's all right we'll call it a spirit quest it'll be fine um <laughs> snack on berries guys um yeah so yeah like one larger self-care item per week and you have to make those things non-negotiable you have to make it that that stuff doesn't get moved for anything. Um, if you do have to move it or if you want to move it, like if you get invited to like um, some sort of social event or like a Zoom chat as we do these days, we, you know, have a glass of wine with our girls across the Zoom. Um, then you have to make sure that you, you don't just cancel the thing for you, that you move it. And then you get into this habit of saying, okay, well, if it's not tonight, then it will be tomorrow. And I'll definitely make the time for it tomorrow and nothing will move it then. And that's just a really good way to start practicing boundaries for yourself and to start practicing saying no to things. I think if you've got that physical reminder of a calendar and you go, okay, not allowed to put anything else in here. So if I get asked to do something, I'll just have to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't. You don't have to justify it. You don't have to give a reason. You don't have to tell anybody you're not doing anything, so it's fine. You can do it anyway, or you're not doing anything, so you kind of feel guilty for saying no. You can just say, oh, no, I can't at that time, but maybe I could at some point in the future that feels good for you at a time that you've negotiated for yourself that you've planned. They're just really good practical ways to start practicing boundaries. So what you have to do with codependent recovery is you have to do the things that feel the most scary to retrain your brain that when you do them, you don't die. 
So you have to like show your brain that when you say no to these obligations that you've been saying yes to for years, that it's safe, you're still loved, you don't die, you don't pass out, the world doesn't stop spinning and you can actually carry on with life and what you have is more energy and you're retraining not only your own brain but other people and how to interact with you. You're retraining other people that you aren't just going to be constantly available for anything that they need any time of day or night. Mm, uh, yeah, that's such. There's such good practical tips, and I suppose so. These things, they, they, it takes time, but it's acknowledging. I love that you said that kind of creating space, the cutting back physically and the clutter, um, mm. time wise with the clearing as well, and being really clear on those those non-negotiables I think for people is, is so important and, and getting com- as I always say comfortable with the uncomfortable is in those scary things that you said yeah. is there anything else in the sort of pro- is there anything else in the sort of process that the more kind of internal process that people go through in, in that the the way to kind of be you describe it as recovering the being recovering a uh, recovering uh, codependent so what what does that look like I presume that means that there's still a, a practice it's not something that just disappears so how what does that look like for people yeah I think what I see is it's an ongoing sort of program of maintenance um and I think what it looks like is um being able to communicate directly what you want and need um being able to express your feelings in a non-manipulative way in a way that isn't about drama or getting something that you want isn't in a way that is like some wild, crazy blow up because you've been stuffing those emotions down and in resentment, they're just exploding out and out of control. Um, and yeah. And, and also I can't remember if I said this already around, um, just getting used to putting boundaries in place. I think I might've done, but it's worth saying again, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Um, (laughs) and I think, through those processes you start to validate yourself you start to see yourself your emotions your feelings validated um and then that starts to build your sense of self-worth and that's a muscle that you have to keep working all your life um there is a period of recovery that i call uh, being sane enough to be in uh, to know that you're insane so it's almost like you can feel yourself like you're saying yes to the thing that you really feel like you want to say no to but you're saying yes anyway and it's having the awareness like once that awareness is switched on you really can't switch it back off but it doesn't always mean that you can follow through on it that's okay that is a normal stage of recovery it's fine you are not bad at this it's everyone does it um and that's a really awesome stage of recovery because then what you have the opportunity to do is go back and correct yourself. So you pick up the phone and you say, oh, when we spoke earlier and I said I would do X, Y, Z, actually, I I didn't mean that. I was just kind of worried about, um, about saying no. I really actually don't feel comfortable or I don't have the energy to do it. Could we rearrange it another time? Um, or actually, that's not really what I'm I, even simpler that's not really what I meant. So I'd just like to clarify that isn't going to work for me at this time. Can we do it another time? Or I just don't think that's going to work for me at all, but thank you so much for the opportunity or for asking me, for considering me. And it's just about having, being able to have that clear language with a neutral energy 
that honors you, but also honors other people. Codependent people love to caretake people and infantilize them and control them. It all looks very loving and caring, but actually we don't, when we do that, we don't give other people in our lives agency and autonomy to be themselves and have their feelings and, um, and take care of themselves or seek out other resources. We train people to be dependent on us. So from a more inner work perspective, that's what recovery looks and feels like. And that's how you see it starting to take shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's so important, as you said, it's not just for you. It's not a, as you know, so often people say that you know, the self-care is selfish sort of thing, but no, making this progress to yourself and saying no to people is as, as much of a service to them as it is, mm. is you know, as you said, it validates them and their opinions and everything for them as much as it does you and that's so important you you mentioned something that I think would maybe be useful for people to kind of define a little bit more so how when people how can people know if they are um uh, asking for something or, or caring in that manipulative way you mentioned they're like making sure not to do it but I'm wondering maybe if this is hot like you know if people are listening to this thinking oh my gosh I had no idea and maybe like is there any way that they how can you know whether something is coming from a place of genuine kind of care and it's a good that's a good in the realms of kind of it being healthy or and how do you know if it's coming from a place of of kind of manipulating with kindness I think it's um I think it's as simple as asking yourself the question before you kind of do an act of kindness do I feel the need for this to be reciprocated if this is never reciprocated will I feel good about doing it Will I be able to think to myself, you know what, that just made me feel good. I enjoyed it. Great. Like if I never speak to that person again or nothing ever comes of it or they never offer to do anything for me, then that's cool. Like that's fine. I wanted to do that. Another test is um, kind of just trying to tap into like your energy level and how like full up you feel if you feel like you're giving from and you're very depleted unless it's a very sort of extreme situation where someone maybe is grieving or you're both grieving and you're really all just giving from a place of being like very low on energy but just in like if it's more of an everyday situation not a more kind of extraordinary or out of the ordinary situation then I would say if you if you're depleted and you're giving you're probably not doing it with pure intentions. If you feel, you know, obviously the ideal is that we we always give from the overflow. So we fill ourselves right up, we feel so full of kind of love and energy and self-worth and then anything that spills out the top is fair game for whoever wants it and that's cool. Um so yeah, I think just check in t- to your energy level like from what place are you giving from what energy level are you giving like are you on 10% battery and you're till and you're still trying to give to someone are you giving because you're hoping that at some point so they'll reciprocate if you are it's probably not coming from as pure a place as you think I think that there's a really good kind of um flag flag like markers for people to look for isn't it that that need for reciprocation when it when you're giving and also how you feel afterwards but yeah those are those are really good thank you so much and I've, there's been so many nuggets of really useful nuggets and in, incredible insights that you shared with us but what would be if you would kind of encompass your kind of biggest bit of advice for the listeners what would that be 
Ooh. Oh my goodness, this is a really hard one. <laughs> I should have had the, I should have had like a witty sound bite prepared. Um I think that I would say the idea, the concept of codependency can seem completely overwhelming. If you discover it and you relate to it and you feel like it is you um, or it's something that's affected your life, it can feel, it can be a real freak out moment where you think, I don't actually know who I am anymore. Everything that I thought I was doing now feels like a lie. That is overwhelming. I will not invalidate that for anyone. Um, but what I will say is that the life that waits for you on the other side of codependent recovery is beyond anything you could ever imagine. It is the most fulfilling, the most love-filled, the most safe, the most secure, the most confident, the most fun you could ever imagine your life being. Feeling safe in yourself and wanting to be around other people but not needing them feeling anchored and tethered in yourself is the most incredible feeling and so as painful as it might feel to kind of attack this thing called codependency and start recovery I can promise you it is worth every painful awkward confusing weird moment oh thank you you did you encompassed that perfectly that was <laughs> so, such a beautiful beautiful ending though to show people remind people that you can yeah you can get through it and what that feels like thank you um so lastly question that i love to ask everyone what does curiosity mean to you and how do you think it can be helpful Ooh, curiosity to me is like my whole life I just did the Enneagram test yesterday and found out I'm a seven (laughs) (laughs) people who know what that means that means something Um, (laughs) but like I am like the freedom seeker and I think so I've been doing some training recently and somebody and they showed us this picture of a glass half full and they were like are you half full or a half empty person and my response were and and it's that kind of like age old thing of like if it's half empty you're negative and pessimistic if it's half full you're positive and optimistic but I refute that because to me I'm like yeah it's half empty but look at all that space for potential and that to me is like the space of curiosity so when I see I like when I see somebody at the beginning of of recovery and this like they're starting their like curious journey of recovery and like a discovery to start with I'm like yes because there's so much potential just waiting there for you and I think that's how I see my whole life I think I'm always curious about okay how does my mind work how does this how do I interact with people how does this work how can we make something bigger and better and more glorious and my partner sometimes says to me like are you ever satisfied and I'm like no but don't take it as like don't be offended (laughs) because I'm just I'm kind of high on life like so cheesy but I just love life and I think it's so cool and I think there are just so many opportunities and so much possibility so I would say very rambling but that to me is curiosity (laughs) my favorite answer yeah I think I love that yes it's glass half empty but then there are lots space for curiosity singing singing in my own song there I love it um so Joe, tell everyone where they can find you and your work 
Um, so I mainly hang out on Instagram. A um, little bit too much. Might be getting repetitive strain injury from it. So going to need to take a break from that. But yeah, Instagram's the place where you'll find me most. Um, I'm at Jo Westwood there. And you can find out more about my work and my story at joewestwood.com and um, find out about my course there as well and how to work with me. Um, and I also write on Medium, not as much as I would like, but I have some really helpful uh, stories that I've written on Medium. So just check me out on there at Joe Westwood as well. Perfect. Well, I'll link link all of those into the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, thank you too. It's been great. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a rating and review letting me know what your biggest takeaways were. I love reading each and every one. Thank you to Simprove for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget that you can get 15% off with discount code CuriosityClub15. As we're all curious folk around here, why not head over to simprove.com to find out more. Until next time, stay curious.